Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. We're going to see if we can try and do it this time. I tell you, my gosh, the internet gremlins are getting us a lot. I truly appreciate your patience. It is Gerald Glassford coming back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and of course, Game Source. Plus also as well, Joe Soro at LakersBall.com and Simblaze, Simblaze with a Y.com. Of course, also, don't forget the Lakerholics crew of Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet and our good friends Lakers in 5, Empire Jeff TV, Larry Lakers Dribbling Chit Chat, Lakers Corner, John McKinley Channel, and the Daniel Berry Sports Highlights channels. Please go ahead and check out what they're doing today right there for you. And like and subscribe so you get the latest notifications or when we go live on the air with the latest lakers fast break podcast it is a great day for the lakers because it's an off day because lately that's only been the great days for lakers when they finally take a day off because it's been a very big mess for the lakers dumpster fire pathetic whole bunch of words are being tossed around as the lakers head to utah to go ahead and face off against a team they're tied with for 10th place in the western conference at 19 and 20 it is the Utah Jazz, and on their way there, they need to contemplate what's going on as far as their season. Is the season totally off the rails? I know a lot of people, including Joe and some of us here on the show, have thought this season is over. No chance for a championship. The Lakers can't get fixed. What needs is already broken. Darvin Ham's job is in jeopardy many times over. His seat is warm. They're booing at the crypto. It's just a whole bunch of things going wrong in Lakers land. And here today to talk about this from an outside perspective is a guy who used to write specifically on the Lakers, who, who also covers the NBA now for Hoops Hype. It is Sam Yep. And Sam, great to have you here providing that insight that we're looking for. How are you today? And looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the Lakers and the NBA today. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm just here to really kind of spitball. So I guess you can just really just ask me anything and then I, I'll kind of just kind of kind of roll with it, I guess. All right. Absolutely. We got Joe Soro in the chat. That's always a dangerous sign since he's not here and chatting, but I know he's out and about. Also as well here today, of course, a good man indeed. He is the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and stop on by to go ahead and talk about the disaster known as the Los Angeles Lakers. It is the magic man, Sean Grice. And Sean, great to have you here. Sorry for all the internet issues. Uh, do see if I can get that alleviated at some point in time. Uh, something new we can add to Talk Studio there. But 
My friend, when it comes right down to it, you have some questions for Sam Yip on the Lakers, their disaster. So looking forward to seeing what he his insight is. His, one of his recent stories covered the team that the Lakers faced off against in the Phoenix Suns. So your thoughts, my friend, for Sam, so he can provide some insight on what he thinks was going on in Lakerland. Yeah, Sam, I guess the, just the burning question is um... – you know, it was this all smoke and mirrors last year from the basically the point of the trade that they made and when they got swept to Denver, because when when you look at the sequence of events, it, it's not as if they didn't have an idea of how to build, try and build a strong team around LeBron and AD. So I guess the burning question to you is what in your estimation went wrong? I, I feel like last year when they made that trade with, with Westbrook and then I think I think at the time LeBron was hurt, right? And so he was yes. out for a while. Um, so it was kind of on the new guys to come in and kind of jail and make a flow. And, you know, a lot of the Lakers, like when LeBron played, he had the ball in his hands all the time. And that was one of the big reasons why it didn't work out with Westbrook. And I think when you look at it like that, it's hard for guys to get into rhythm this year, especially with Vanderbilt coming in and out of the lineup, he, I think he missed the first 15, 20 games or so. And then you had, like, there is some truth to what Ham and LeBron are saying is um, there hasn't been, like, con con continuity with, with the newer guys, um, Gabe Vincent and, and like that. But at the same time, you do have LeBron and AD playing literally every game, and you guys are barely – you guys are literally hovering around 500. That's, that should be no excuse. Like, like Eric Spolster always says, like, if we have – if we have seven guys, like, or if we have five to seven guys that are ready to play, like, there's no excuse to not come and show the best best effort. Like, you can't have Darvin Ham saying that kind of stuff about, like, a marathon, like, especially with Laker fans. Like, you're not that, – that, that's, like, a very – like, a small market kind of, like, a coach can get away with saying that kind of stuff, but not when you're coaching the L.A. Lakers. That's, like – that's the hallmark of – that's the brand of the NBA, you know, literally. So – if that's the case, my friend, again, we have pointed out after games that Darvin Ham's comments are really not appreciated by the public. Like you said, you may, they may be able to get with it uh, as far as away with it in a small market, but in a larger market saying, why are we riding on every win and every loss? And it's a marathon. That one, I think, stuck out really a lot. I know that uh, his continual thoughts on the Lakers and how they ramp up from injuries don't tell us that Rui Hashimura had a great day if he's not coming into the lineup because it doesn't really help matters. Just say he's getting better. He's on the way. You know, I understand he's been cleared and he's off the injury report for tomorrow's game. But just just some of the things he is communicating as far as his rotations, his the way he structures his timeouts, just the way he's coaching – is really putting off a lot of people. And I think it really needs to go ahead and be said out there. That's part of the reason why Lakers fans are so quick to dismiss him as Lakers coach. I think the thing too, is like from what I'm reading and everything, um, it doesn't, he's going to be around. He's going to be the Lakers coach next season too. So this is the second year of his fourth, second year into his four year deal. And he has, he had, well, publicly he has the confidence of, of Polinka and Jeannie Buzz. So, and if, and if he's publicly saying that she sent him a long text, that means she wants the media, she wants us to know, like, he has my, he has our full backing and nothing's going to be changing. So, 
it's really for the Lakers season. It's going to really come down to the trade deadline. Um, I honestly, with Rui, like he had a good like it was like four weeks in the playoffs, and then he got his deal. Like, like if if you watch his career rise, like he's always been always been up and down, mostly been down. And as you see this year, like he's either hurt, like he, even when he was in Washington, he's either hurt. When he was playing, he was inconsistent. He, you know, he can give you like, he can give you like eighteen points one night and on an efficient night. And then the, the last two games before he was traded, oh, my apologies for interrupting. The last two games before he was traded, he got thirty, and then he got zero. So exactly. <laughs> that, that right. Yeah. right there. It's, it's, Please continue. Please it's, continue. It's like, it's like feast or famine with him. And then you look at another guy like D'Angelo Russell, right? Like I'm sure Laker Nation and whatnot, like they all hate him. He is what he is, right? He's 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 a problem on defense. Like he's never known for playing defense, but his offense has always been offensively, he's very up and down as well. Like he's very his herky jerky style. Um he's best used as a six man, like a Lou Will Lou Will type. You kind of like give him 20 minutes, see see what he can do for a night. If he doesn't have it, then bench him. Like there's because if he's not hitting shots, there's no reason for him to be on the court, you know? So obviously. At this point, the Lakers really need to make a trade. He's probably going to be using that trade deal. I think I figured his contract right now is a 18 mil and a player option for the se- second year. That 18 mil sounds like when he signed that, I already thought, oh, this is pretty much a trade chip. Like he's not going to be with the Lakers like the whole year and this season. So um, he's definitely going to be, I think, really, I think if, so, so I keep hearing about this Zach Levine thing, it's probably going to be like a Russell. Rui, maybe like a draft pick, but honestly, you can't give up. Zach Levine is also a guy that doesn't give you much on the defensive end. He's also a guy that's kind of a ball stopper too. So how many ball stoppers do you want to be around LeBron James, you know? So, um, but the problem is their their offense is really bad. Like their defense is still, they're, they're in the, like, they're not great, but they're not bad. They're like, they're not in the middle either. They're kind of in between like middle and top, but you know, you can always get you have you have a good couple like a month stretch you can get back to the top but offensively they need to they need to figure something out because it's a lot of these guys they signed are not working out Gabe Vincent Jackson Hayes Christian Woods not getting a lot of time right now he's getting 15 minutes 15 20 minutes but then at the same time Christian Woods on defense is a liability like a lot of people I feel like they they always wonder like oh this guy's like gives you like a double double like if you give him 25 28 minutes a night and why do you think he's on a different team like every other year it's because he's a liability on defense he doesn't doesn't do he'll give you he'll give you a nice like fade hook or he does what he does on the offense end but right right back at you he'll give up a layup so um the lakers are i think the lakers are in trouble they they're at this point with their current roster they'll probably be fighting for a play-in so let me ask you this, and I'll bring it back to you, Magic. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is Sam Yip from Hoops Hype. Please go ahead and check out his great work today on hoopshype.com. I want to ask you this. When it comes right down to it, what does the league or what is the league's perception of Austin Reeves? Because Austin Reeves is also a hot button flashpoint among Lakers fans. Uh, they see sometimes the gifted moves that he makes, the the fact that, you know, as a uh, not a primary ball handler per se, because that has not worked out 100 percent well. But as a secondary ball handler, as someone who can potentially hit close to 40 percent from behind the arc and 
obviously what he can do as far as his very sly drives to the basket and creativity that he shows you the highlights as he averages close to 17 to 20 points a game. But they often don't see the other side of the equation that his defense against first team units is terrible. As we noticed last night in the Phoenix game, they just roasted and feasted on him for 48, you know, whatever the entire game that he was out there. Plus also as well, we've seen this issue taking place since FIBA when his defense was pointed out time and time again, what is the league's perception of Austin Reeves? Is he truly thought of as a player that can be a number three guy on any team, much less the Lakers? Is that a question for me? Yes. Or yes. For me? yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the league around it's it's pretty positive. I think he would be considered a number three on a lot of teams because a lot of teams don't have a one and two like the Lakers do. Um, but his defense, yes, they, it is. It's it's never going to be great, but he does. I can tell he does put in a lot of work. Like you can tell, I actually talked to him uh, this summer. I, I have an interview with him on Hoopside about he was at, it was training camp for USA basketball in August, and I I think I had maybe ten minutes with him, and just I could just tell by just talking to him, he really he's puts a lot of time in the gym, and he really he really cares and really tries hard, and like everything he does is he thinks of his mindset is just thinking of I came from nothing, so I have it's kind of like a, I have nothing to lose kind of thing, and it, that's why. He's pretty like I'd say he's. You can play him down the crunch in crunch time. You can kind of have him on the floor. He'll make big shots, and I think it's because his whole life has been around. Like he's, he's. I think he was like a three star recruit coming out as a prospect. He was never like a highly regarded guy. So I honestly think the league. Any I feel like any team would want him, and I think I think there is kind of a lot of teams are are actually they're not happy about the fact that <laughs> the Lakers got him at such a discount and. You know, I think it was the Spurs, and I think it was another team that could have really went in and gave him like cl- a close to like a hundred hundred mil extension. But the Lakers got lucky there, and <laughs> and they're still struggling right now. Um, I mean, there, there. I think there's a rumor right now that's going around about Dejounte Murray, and the package is him, it's Reeves, um, D'Angelo Russell, and I believe a draft pick, something like that. But I think for a lot of Na- Laker Nation, they wouldn't want to do that because Reeves is Reeves is kind of like a. I f- also feel like a lot of home Laker fans, homegrown talent doesn't happen a lot. So whenever there is a homegrown talent, they don't want them to leave. Um, See Alex how, like, Caruso. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of like uh, you get that Laker taint, not a taint, but it's like it's like a you get more people care more. And if, when you're good, people like the media and everyone magnifies it to the to point where if you're good, you sell like you're elite kind of thing. And then like I feel like Reeves was kind of getting sold like he was better than he was. He started this year off kind of struggling and struggling. And um, but I think he kind of in a way when the Pam moved him to the bench, he kind of found his groove a little. And now he moved him back to the uh, to the starting lineup. And um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when him, LeBron, and AD are on the floor together, like their net rating is pretty solid. So I feel like um, um, it's, I'm trying not to look at the chat. <laughs> yeah, the last smile. thing you want to do, it's the best Lakers <laughs> chat room that's out there, Lakers fast break, but they can be distracting. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so honestly, 
I know Genie loves Austin Reeves. He's not going anywhere. And I think he's going to improve every year. Um, defensively, obviously, there's a, a lot of times I, I do see where other teams kind of just pick and roll and then they pretty much target him on the defensive end. Um, but I don't think he's like D'Angelo Russell defense, like that level in terms of like, this guy can't be on the floor kind of during the playoffs. You can still play him. You can find ways to hide him and stuff um, just enough because he provides enough ball handling to kind of put pressure off AD and LeBron. So I think Le- I think the Lakers will, will do better if they have him still on the roster with whatever trade they do end up making. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I don't feel like that people have done that as much, especially with this international release. You can get it out there right now. I know you can get it out there, but it, it feels like this time last year, people have just been like, oh, you can get you the Here's cell phone version you know. that was taped somewhere where it's like, you know, shell shaky <laughs> has some dude or some family that's walking right in front of you as they're climbing their seat with the popcorn already in hand. You oh, know, come on, that, really? yeah, that version is already available. Yeah. But I mean, like with a mono I, sound. There you go. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's the worst part. You only get sound on the left ear, yep. not the right ear. <laughs> Something like that. You can find that version already if you really want it. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Magic Man, what you got for Sam Yip from Who's Hot, my friend? Yeah, Sam, I... Uh... I agree with you about uh, what what Jeannie was saying that that whole um, you know pat on the back for for Darvin Ham and it basically it's uh, it's a Easter egg for you know knowledge knowledgeable or anyone with half a brain to, to kind of see that yeah the the Lakers aren't going to uh, uh, hit eject on Darvin Ham anytime soon. That being said, Sam. Uh, and I was saying this the other day, if like, so a lot of other Lakers uh, platforms, Lakers Nation bl- is is trying to blame LeBron for a lot of this situation. And um, yeah, I'm rolling my eyes too, because those guys make me laugh as much as, as you, Sam. Um, the fact, the fact of the matter is, I, I it's almost like a pickle matrix, Sam, because there, there are, it seems like there are problems stacked across the organization not just on the court but i think it's reflective of the product of why there's like this dysfunction that lebron was able to cover for a couple years when they signed him and now it's it's pretty close to clear that when the smoke is cleared um they do have problems i mean one of the ironies of this whole situation sam is that Genie Bus and the Brain Trust decided not to give the job to Ty Lue. And by the way, Ty Lue wanted it. I'm sure, 
and but they wouldn't give him a five-year deal but they gave darvin ham a five-year deal who who wasn't even a coach yet he was an assistant coach for 12 years and they gave him a five-year contract you weren't even willing to give ty Lue that and he won an nba title so to me that it just on the just on the on the face of it that shows a severe lack of uh, knowledge and instinct on their part. Um, on top of that, uh, my my other concern is that for some reason, Sam, and I, I would love to someone to help me understand this, Genie doesn't reward uh, executives or coaches for winning championships. She rewards them for acquiring superstars. I mean... After the Russell Westbrook trade, Rob Polinka was immediately given an extension. And that's an issue to me as well, because um, as much as we're, we're, we're harping on Darvin Ham as a fan base, I, I happen to think that Rob Polinka is like in the bottom, I would say, 10 of GMs in the league, Sam. So why, why do you think that Genie has had such a difficult time hiring good people because as Gerald has stated, you know, for almost, you know, two years now, she's been involved with the Lakers since her dad bought them. So it's not as if she's not, not, uh, it, it, she's not ignorant towards, um, hiring good people and, um, sound basketball minds. That being said, where's the disconnect? Because what, uh, this this channel in particular, we're not buying what they're selling. I, I think the, one of the big things you have to remember with Jeannie Buss and the whole, how the whole bigger organization is run is she's from as a kid, she she kind of learned the ropes from her dad, right? And she saw as a, when uh, when her dad was, was in charge, Jerry, like, a lot of the moves he made, if you look back at the, all the transactions, it's basically that people that he knew that at one time already worked for the Lakers or they have ties to the Lakers and the team. And when you look when you look at Darvin Ham, he was in the system of the Lakers in 2011, 2012, I believe. So there's always a tie-in. And, and the thing with Ty Lue was the reason that she didn't – I remember, I think there was a report at the time was she didn't want to hire him because she didn't want the per public perception of – LeBron's calling the shots, right? And I and I feel like even every move they make since LeBron's been here, they've they've kind of make moves based on the impression that they don't want the public to see them as LeBron calling the shots. Because and then when you look at that one time that LeBron called the shots with the Westbrook trade, and then look what happened, right? So even now she she's even more kind of conservative to, to even kind of let that really get out and like that to happen. So I think that's the one of the things why when you when you when you when you're asking about where to disconnect. I think she's still in this kind of mindset of how things used to be run. This is the Laker brand. This is how it's always been. It's tradition. While well, you have the rest of the league that's owned by billionaires. And like, if you think about it in, in terms of net worth, the Laker brand is, is high up there, but as a family wise, <laughs> the bus family is probably on the low end of all these billion, like multi-billionaires, these tech billionaires out there. Steve Ballmer, um, the guy from Memphis, I forgot his name, but these, a lot of these guys. So, from that advent, the Lakers are running at a disadvantage and I kind of wanted to add on, like even before LeBron, uh, LeBron got here, towards the end of when, uh, right before, basically once Kobe tore his Achilles all the way up till um, 
before LeBron came in, they were pretty sorry, right? The, you would, I think most Laker fans would admit they were probably that's probably one of the worst decades in Laker franchise history. And what? And a bit, if you think about it, LeBron saved, saved the Lakers franchise because if he didn't come, Lakers would probably still be sorry right now. And <laughs> so, yeah. I mean. That they would be saying it. Yeah. yeah, no, no. And we and we are too. And and we've kind of we've kind of alluded to that as well, Sam, is that the, you know, he was he was able to kind of conceal the dysfunction just enough for a couple of years where he he managed to uh help when it help the Lakers get yep. their 17th title. And you're right. Um you know that that's what's amazing to me in this whole scenario is that she's been in and Gerald has said this too she's in the, she's been in this business for one two three four five decades and in the time of her ownership she's made the playoffs three times one was a championship one two was a and two were play-ins and then one you were you were uh, it, it's disappointing by any by any standard you set as a Laker fan or a member of that organization, and I I just think that you know once LeBron and this is I think this is the rub here. Uh, once LeBron retires, Sam, do you think the kind of the air comes out comes out of the crypt now because you're basically in the same position you were um, pre LeBron? And all the warts are showing themselves. It, it, you know, you were able to kind of um, disguise a lot of your sickness, but now it's all in the open and exposed for everybody to see. Yeah, I mean, once once he retires, or if he if he's like, I don't even want to deal with this. I'm leaving. The Lakers are going to go back to what they were because, like, you look at a team around AD, like AD can't even stay healthy. Like, <laughs> he's if you if you watch them play, like. LeBron's the one who plays like he's 29 or 30, however old 80 is. 80 is the one who looks like he's 40 years old, you know, so. <laughs> and, and Sam, the I, think, on the spot. I think, uh, I think a lot, uh, also a lot of that has to do with the, the deflection uh, for LeBron because LeBron, LeBron is always going to be the lightning rod that people, people always um, aggregate towards good or bad. And, because the Lakers are struggling, it's often seen that, well, you know, Le- LeBron's lack of leadership or LeBron's playing substandard or uh, there's something else going on. I, but, I, couldn't I, it I, just be a case of, you know, this is a 39-year-old man who's been able to uh, basically stall father time for as, for as long as possible, almost anybody, probably excluding Tom Brady I, and uh, Gordie Howe. And... Oh, go ahead, sir. I, I I was just gonna say I think the thing with LeBron is though, like to push back on that LeBron narrative that was is that wherever he goes, like everyone else but him gets blamed, right? It's always been like that. Wherever he went, it was remember when he went to the Heat, it was Eric Spolster, and now look, Eric Spolster still in the league. He's the highest paying coach, and he's basically gonna be a Heat lifer. He's gonna coach till he's like six. He's a grandpa probably. Um, but then and then you have like everywhere he's went, like it's always like. It's always it's like a runaway. It's kind of like a joke at this point, where everyone else gets blamed about can't be LeBron. He's playing so well. Look at his stats. Look what he does for the game. The impact. Then at the end of the day, it's kind of like, but he gets none of the. He never gets blamed though. So every situation that he was, he has 
some blame to it. You know, you can't say like he's completely scot free of no blame at all. Oh no, um, absolutely, and I agree and, with and, you on that. Yeah, yeah, and and Sam probably um I th- this this is a great story. Probably the greatest uh, illustration of your point is that um dur- during that uh, first first year with the Heat where it was kind of dicey, um there were whispers, right? You just mentioned it about Spo. And after practice, Spo went straight up to LeBron and said, come into my office. And he he pointed at the, at the whiteboard and there was a phone number written on it. And it was Pat Riley's number. And Eric said, you got a problem with me? Call him, talk to him and see how we can resolve this because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and like, I don't think Darvin Ham has the chutzpah to do that, Sam. And quite frankly, this whole, this whole facade about Jeannie Buss having his back, uh, you're right. It, it's like there, there has always been some kind of tension wherever he's gone. And it's usually been resolved up until this situation, because it seems like this is, this is a kitchen fire that might might turn towards a four or five alarm fire. And like you said, Sam, he might stand out on the lawn like this and say, I'm out. I'm out. See you later. Are you talking about Darvin Ham? Yes. You mean, you mean his hands are in his pockets, right? I yes. Don't know about that. That, well, yeah. we nicknamed him pockets. So that's uh, actually magic man deserves the credit on that one. So uh, some months back and our community has picked it up ever since, but yeah, I mean, it just, that's some of the problems with Darvin Ham. And once again, it is the Lakers fast break. We truly appreciate you joining us. We've got Sam Yip from Hoops Hype. Please support his articles today right there for you. Just type in Sam Yip and it comes right up for you. I actually put a link in the chat description. So go ahead and check it out. All the great stuff that he's doing there. But, you know, Darvin Ham, I think a lot of people, not only just the comments like we talked about earlier, Sam, was also as well just the passion. He was supposed to come in and not be the X's and O's guy. He was supposed to be the guy that fires people up, people up that the Lakers you know, players would run through walls for as far as the motivation factor is concerned. And the problem is it might've worked for a little while, but as we go on, we see the mistakes he's made, which is kind of surprising for someone that's been an assistant coach for so long and got to work under some uh, pretty good coaches. Although his tutelage under Bonholzer, he's emulated I think too much of that style, especially on the defensive end, but that's another conversation when it comes right down to it. I think a lot of people are concerned when they see, for instance, the Toronto game where Darko he's passionate, not only is about his, his, what he said afterwards that he got fined 25,000, but if you look at him during a game, he's com- communicating with the players. He's passionate. He's clapping. He's getting guys involved. He's getting his team involved. He's communicating with the bench. He's communicating with the players on the court. And all we see is Darvin Ham, two pockets in. So I, I think a lot of it's, you know, but they say body language speaks loud and clear on occasion. And I think, you know, with a lot of people, they just, they see that as a, as a microcosm of what Darvin Ham is doing out there as far as the coaching job is concerned. I, I think uh-huh. I think a lot of it is uh, like if Darvin Ham, like I feel like if Darvin Ham was doing what Th- Coach Darko was doing with the Raptors, like pounding his hands on the on the desk, coming basically calling out like maybe it's like like not but like standing up for his players and stuff like that, like more openly, like 
that's when you get your player to buy in and to literally jump off a cliff for you, you know, as a challenge coach. them more. Get, exactly. Yeah. I think there's that going on. And, and as you said, like you've been assistant for, for that long, but I always wonder when it takes that long for assistant coaches to become head coach, to become head coaches. I always wonder why did it take this guy so long? Does that mean he's not that good? You know? So that's always another thing. I, 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 I was questioning the move already when they hired him. I didn't, I thought Frank Vogel was a good coach for the Lakers. Like he fit, in terms of what they did defensively as a team, like their, their identity is still on defense, but then their offense is, I mean, Vogel has never been an offensive guy, but then it was always about his defense and he held people, he held guys accountable on defense. And then basically Polinka effed up. So then he took the blame for it. And then they, he got, he got canned after, after, I think it was only one year removed from when they won the title in 2020, when he got fired in 22, I believe. Right. The, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's just uh, as a Laker fan, you know, you kind of have to be frustrated when you kind of look between like, and this all goes back to the top. It's not really the players that are at fault here because they always, it's always the, the constant is AD and LeBron. Everyone else is interchangeable. But then, what's going on right now? Like, all you got is one year out of the, out of this whole LeBron run. Like, LeBron's still playing at a at an elite level, and you can't. You guys are basically just wasting it. Like, mm-hmm. kind of wasting it. Not as bad as like how the Warriors are wasting it right now, but. <laughs> they're, <another topic. laughs> yeah. they're mighty close to it, Sam. <laughs> mighty close to well, it. So I mean, more than, uh-huh, go ahead. Yeah, no, Sam, I was going to ask you, it, and you, it, I mean, you, you know better than most, especially, especially in L.A. It seems like that there is this um, bubble wrap kind of a, around, uh, like, Gerald and yourself were talking about Genie's inner circle. It, you know, um, the world's a, a giant place now, Sam, and we all can't afford to live in a vacuum. But you know, people could still afford to live in bubbles, depending on their uh, resources. And she seems to be just living in this small, vacuous uh, bubble where she's told she's brilliant. Right, every every move she makes, she's got the Midas touch. And it, it just seems that, like you, I, like you were alluding to, it seems that the PR has gone out of their way to try to deflect and or protect her. Um, you know, there's issues with, you know, instead of placing blame on Jeannie, you you can uh, direct your blame towards the Rambi, like Kurt and Linda Rambis. Now, let's come on, let's be frank. Jeannie Buss makes the final call. Like, who who are people kidding themselves? But they try and deflect blame to Linda and Kurt Rambis, or you know, any any myriad of other people in the in the organization. I mean, she's got eventually, Sam. Uh, like you were saying, and unfortunately, I feel the same way that the Damocles is kind of just hanging over our heads collectively, and. Do you ever see a point where, you know, Jeannie eventually falls on the sword and says, you know what? I brought a champion. No, no, no. no. She's, I mean, you're basically telling a queen, like, like that's not happening. <laughs> you know, she owns the team. Like, unless I think, I think there was a, didn't the, 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 the way she kind of wrestled the, the whole control away from her brother was. Yes. I think her dad basically said that she controls everything at the end of the day, right? It was pretty so, much succession. Like she she managed yeah. to get all the other 
bus children on board with her and they isolated uh jim and johnny and uh it was four against she's, two she's, she's too likable like where she's she's gonna get their whole family to go to go against her like that because that's there's no way yeah she's she's like she's a very likable person so it, it seems like it, it it seems like bad owner it, like it seems like marge marge shot without the racism that that that's what it seems like with Jeannie Buss. It's like a bad a bad owner who just happened to to be in the right place at the right time. That's what it was feels that the Cincinnati like. Reds yes. widow that took over? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what it feels like without the racism. I don't I, I I'm not familiar with that team's when she was on the range so i can't really comment on that but that's that well i mean they were successful as well i mean they won they did win a world series under her ownership but afterwards it was just an unmitigated disaster and i'm more i'm worried that that's going to be the future of the los angeles lakers the the thing is like you know everyone kind of knows la is kind of like it's who you know to kind of get ahead and like whatever you're doing in terms of promotions or just status and stuff and she obviously her whole life has grew under a very public light. So it's a lot of who you know, right? And a lot of in this world, right, of anything really, not beyond basketball, but it's not it's not about who you know. It's about hiring the right people of getting a different idea. Maybe you have a blind blind spot too, because you're not in that bubble that they're in. So you need to hire from and you look at the you look at some of the stuff that the Clippers have done. Like they bring in a bunch of different people from different ways, even with all the criticism of like people saying, oh, they're still the Clippers and whatnot. But I mean, Steve Bomber has been done a tremendous job in terms of he, like, you don't want Ty, but we'll take Ty, you know, we'll build, we got two guys here that they, they did lose the SGA trade, but then at the same time, Kawhi was asking, um, I think he was asking Steve, like, like, he's like, oh, I'll come, but like, I want you to bring someone to help me win now. And then, I forgot. No, it was Doc. I think Doc said this publicly about, um, and then he was like, well, Shay's really good. He's like, well, how much, when is he going to be really good? And then, you know, they couldn't really answer that because, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't like this now. So they had to do the trade for, to get Kawhi and Paul here. So that, that trade, like, yes, it looks bad, but they had to do it. They wanted to bring these guys in. So that's Clippers right now. Talk. But, um, but it's just, yeah, just a lot of the, the Lakers, it's kind of like they just need to get out of this Laker exceptionalism. Like, we're, we're the Lakers. People want to come here. We're a brand. We're like the Porsche, the Bugattis. Like, people need to, people need to like understand who we like. People will revere us just because we're the Lakers. Like, the rest of the world has moved on. Like, you got right. Little, and, like, and it kind of yeah. reminds me of Sam. It's like the Clippers, the Warriors, the Suns, they're like the house of, of uh, Balenciaga or gucci and then you have this small mom and pop like the versace's right like that's yeah. kind of what the lakers remind me of is this yeah. kind of this small mom and pop shop and yeah at times they're prosperous but like you said sam it's 2024 the world has changed and you need to evolve with it you can't be that small little brand anymore yeah i think a lot of the two the, the one thing lakers will always have for them is People, players want to play for the Lakers just because of the brand. And that's never, that's the one thing holding this whole thing together, right? That's even how they got LeBron. Like, he was he was never going to go to a team like the Clippers or anything. But it, the Lakers are the Lakers. Like, people care about the, the, the NBA is better, is a better league when the Lakers and the Knicks are, are good, you know? Um, but, like, 
she really needs to just let people hide. Like, like why is Kurt, like, have you seen Kurt coach, like, Knicks, Minnesota? It was terrible. And now you bring him back, like, what's, what is he there for? Like, the league, he's a big man. Like, the way he plays, it's like, he's probably still thinking about the triangle. You know, like, <laughs> it's a different league now, you know? <laughs> so, so, um, and Palinka, like, like you were saying that you, you think he's the bottom 10. I thought he was really bad and in the trades kind of got me back in his good graces for a bit. But then I feel like it is a bit of an an anomaly. Like the guy that got, who kind of shot, like, like we were saying earlier about Rui and uh, D'Lo who shot like really well from three and stuff. So, I mean, he, he, I mean, he basically got the job because he was Kobe's agent and that's how he knew the the best family and stuff. So it's, it's all about who she knows, who she trusts. A lot of the, everyone, they, they probably won't even hire anyone. They probably won't. Even, I don't even think they like interviewing people if they have no previous connection with the Laker franchise. But don't quote me on that. It's just based on things I read, and I kind of like put. I'm like, mm, it sounds like every coaching candidate they interview for you usually has. They used to be a coach or a scout for the Lakers or something. So that's just I don't know something. Don't quote me on that. But if you want to go into that, go like a Reddit deep dive, and maybe you'll find something related to that. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it is the Lakers Fast Break. It is Sam Yip from Hoops Hype. Please go ahead and check out his great articles today on Hoops Hype. Sam, so as we get closer to what's going to happen in Utah tomorrow night with the Utah Jazz, who are on a hot streak, eight of their last 10, tied with the Lakers for 10th place in the Western Conference as the Lakers go ahead and head into Salt Lake City, making their situation even worse. I'm saving the dumpster fire photo for another day, so I won't put it up on today's show. But when it comes right down to it, it is not looking good for the Lakers. Is there still an opportunity to turn this around? We saw this last year where the Lakers started out 2-10 and and were able to, through various ways and means, uh, of course, Rob Palenka, for the first time in his entire tenure as GM, finally getting some trades to go his way. And obviously we saw where it went from there with the Western Conference finals run, which many are now calling fool's gold at this point in time. But do you see this actually being able to be turned around at this point in time? Because this is a different scenario for this season. It's a season where it came in with a lot of hype, a lot of promise. And, you know, after the IST, the beloved NBA Cup championship and that wonderful banner that that is now raised high upon the rafters in the crypt which i'm so in love with not but your thoughts though on the season which has gone dramatically different from last do you think it can actually turn around in the lakers favor turn around as in like win the chip or like being just just be just saving face at this point would be great I, i i think so yeah i think like their defense is like I was saying earlier, it's not, it's not, it's not great, but it's not terrible. It's better than average. So you can go from that to elite, and then their offense—they just need like one or two more 
guys that can create better shots for them. They're just like um, right now they have Ter- like Prince is literally the only one that who hits consistent threes right now. Everyone else is like hit or miss. Most of the time it's miss. Um, they, they, I think they can make one or two more trades that can bring in some op- more offense, some more like ca- better catch and shoot guys that can kind of get them back into the, the conversation. But I mean, whatever they do, they, they can't beat the the Nuggets or the if the Clippers, if they're healthy, they can't beat the Celtics, honestly. Um, they can't beat those teams right now. Like with honestly, even if they trade for like one of these Levine types, Murray's or whatnot, like they can't beat they, they like you said, they probably just to save face, sure, but w- 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 that doesn't matter in LeBron's era. Like it, for him, it's either you win win a chip or you don't. I mean, you don't win a chip is a disappointment. So, yeah, and I agree with you on that. That's um, but unfortunately, at 39 years old, he just can't give you what he used to give you. I mean, the fact that he is giving you 24 seven and seven is great, but the problem is that's substantially below what he has given you in the past. And obviously he gets pointed out every time he doesn't hustle back on defense, et cetera, et cetera. We do know he's 39, but the team, as I noted to the audience out there, three through 13 just does not have two-way players that can play consistently or have played consistently this season, Sam. So your observations on the Lakers when you see them, because you go to the crypt quite a bit, you live in LA, obviously you hear all the Lakers conundrum, you know, on a daily basis that's going on there your observations on where the, the team is going right now, because it doesn't look so pretty as of right now. I think there's a lot of pressure right now for them to make moves. As the more losses pile up, the more people are asking you guys kind of like that, you know, that meme of uh, the thing poking, please do something <laughs> kind of like, kind of like that. Um, but they, there's, there's, there's a lot of pressure to make moves, but I think LeBron and AD are really just, I can tell, I think LeBron said to McMinniman the other, like last week, like, or he didn't say it, but McMinniman reported that LeBron's patience has been tested this season. There's been multiple instances where he's been tested. And I don't know if that's, a, if he's a shot at a dig at the coach or, or Genie's, Genie's little inner circle or whatnot. But like, he, you know, he's not a young man. Like you said, he's not a young man anymore. He can only do so much. So, um, and it, like, this is, We've seen the best stretch of AD in his whole time with the Lakers right now. Like, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you. That was going to be my next thing as far as, uh, you know, we have talked about AD and his up and down ride offensively for years. And we even saw that in the playoffs. You didn't know which output you were going to get from him. And then he came into the start of this season doing the same thing, you know, 30 points one night, 15 the next. And then all of a sudden he went on a six to eight week stretch where he, again, gave you everything that you needed, everything that the Lakers fans have been asking him to do, he was doing. And yet we could not field a complete team around him or a team that could even compete and win on a regular basis. That was not an IST game. So how, I guess in the LA marketplace and the, you know, that you cover the team, you know, you've covered the team before you cover the NBA how uh, sad is it that the Lakers are getting this kind of output from Anthony Davis, yet getting so little return from the rest of the team for it? I, I think that's what that's the frustrating part that all the guys are looking. Fans, LeBron, probably even Palinka and everyone are like, how are we still like this when this guy's playing at this kind of a level? And who knows, you know, like they can get hurt, like knock on wood, but this is the healthiest they've really been as Lakers. And to, yeah, they're Both still of them. like playing. Yeah. So it's kind of like, 
it's on the other guy, but at the same time, I think it doesn't help when you have you look at Darwin's rotations and they're just he's literally still mixing and matching where we're getting close to half the season now, and he's still mixing and missing and match. I mean, yes, there's been a lot of injuries, but look at other teams have a lot more injuries. Look at look at the Heat. I mean, obviously Spoh's a way better coach than him, but like you have an assistant, you have a you have an assistant kind of team, assistant coaches around your team that have experience in terms of rotations like i'm sure they have numbers to, put, to, to tell you like play this lineup but i don't know what he's doing because one night you can have christy playing 25 minutes next time you might get eight minutes and the same with christian wood and then it's just like please have a solid lineup like at this point like delo should have been coming off the bench way before the current like he should have been the, trying to be like the sixth man what i was saying earlier about giving just a little bit of time and kind of like I, I forgot to mention earlier about the trade, like, from last year when they got D'Lo, like, they really could have just got Mike Conley instead. They wouldn't be in this, this, this trouble right now. But they, they decided, hey, how about we give you – let's get Timberwolves involved in this trade and give you Conley and we'll take D'Lo. And, I mean, look at the Timberwolves right now. Like, I mean, they're, they're doing really well with Conley. And Conley doesn't turn the ball over. And he doesn't take wild threes. He's, he's a very good catch-and-shoot shooter. And he's a ball, he's a ball handler. So that, that's what the Lakers need. And – they Polinka dropped the ball on that one because they could really just have gotten Conley. <laughs> well, we have mentioned that, you know, the numbers on and off when D'Lo was in Minnesota, the team was actually better with him off the floor than on the floor. And that I think would spoke volumes. And you're right. Uh, Mike Conley has been a very stabilizing factor for them. And we mentioned this, I think about a week ago, magic or so about how Mike Conley has been such a great source of stabilization for that team. And, could have been such for the Lakers, but you know, in the you know the zest for uh, Rob Palenka to go ahead and make these moves, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's proving there. But Magic Man, uh, you know, any more questions for Sam uh, before we head on out, my friend, and before he tells you exactly everything that he's up to at Hoops Hype. So Sam, we we you know we've talked about how you know Genie is obviously not going to relinquish control of this situation, no matter how bad it gets, or how completely many billions un- are our yeah, completely up. understandable. I mean, we're no nobody's under any illusions unless they sell the team, which is basically improbable at this point. Uh, but the fact that the fact remains is that darvin ham's flaws as a coach are known to just about everybody at this point outside even inside and outside of the lakers it just but i think it would behoove them to be to be smart enough to understand like you said you need to put great assistant coaches around a flawed head coach in order to try and cover up those flaws i mean just a different sport right sam but last year uh, Nick Sirianni had two great uh, assistant coaches and the Philadelphia Eagles managed to almost win a Super Bowl. This year, he has, uh, you know, not very good assistant coaches. And it's been reflective in that, that, you know, the Eagles have been leaking oil for about six weeks. It just seems that uh, I'm not sure if, if it's just an instinctual problem here, Sam, but I get the feeling that, you know, Darvin Ham brought in um uh, lebron's buddy chris christian and he also brought in his friend damari carroll this year and then you have phil handy still there there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh stability with the assistant coaches and somebody who's willing to tap 
tapped Darvin Ham on the shoulder like the previous game against Phoenix and say, hey, I don't think you should put Austin Reeves on KD out of a TV timeout because you have Jared Vanderbilt in the corner there. Like he's in the corner guarding Grayson Allen. I'd put Vando on, on KD Darvin. It, it just, it just seems that I get the feeling, Sam, that even if they tried to Darvin Ham would resist that because, um, you know, it could be perceived as a threat to him. If there was well, any- Magic Man, they would just automatically switch anyways in, in Darvin Ham's defense and just do it anyway. A drop coverage, yeah, drop yeah, coverage. They, yeah, because you see, they just, just switch coverage. to switch. They don't. There's not always even have to be a screen yeah. involved. So they just like, switch I, to switch. Yeah, I want to make that meme with Oprah and put Darvin Ham's face on there. Just drop coverage, drop coverage, drop coverage, <laughs> drop coverage. That's all he play. That's all he plays. It's um. What do you? How do you feel about that, Sam? Is there like? I get the feeling that if you brought in uh, a competent or a, a capable offensive coach, that it would make for a, be- a better team. But it, it feels that, like you said, he may be resistant to that because he see he might perceive it as a threat, and then that would be a bigger problem. I I feel. I mean, to to uh, just answering to your point there about him being resistant, like if you're resistant, then you're just not a good coach. Kind of exactly. Try different things, and that just shows. Right then and there, like you're not a good coach, that like, you shouldn't be coaching. And then just kind of just I want to point out from last year, Joe Mazzula with the Celtics, right? First year coach. He didn't have a good assistant bench with him. I think during the middle of the season, he lost Damon's daughter. He lost like two or three guys mm-hmm. during the season, but they were already he was an assistant. He was not even supposed to be the head of the snake in terms of assistant coaches. It was Will Hardy. Will Hardy got the job job of Utah, so he came in and took over. And then this year they brought in Sam Cassell. They brought in, I think they brought in some guy from Atlanta. They brought in a lot of different guys mm-hmm. that have a lot of leadership roles that Joe Mazzullo doesn't have to worry about. And you can tell even during, if you watch press conferences and stuff with Joe Mazzullo, he's a lot, he's not as reserved as last year. He's not defensive. He's more open to talk about stuff. Like I think the other day he, was, he randomly talked about the town again. He's like, oh, by the way, guys, I know no one asked me this question, but my favorite scene in the town and stuff. You know, I'm sure you guys know about the whole, he watches the town like four times a, a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's just things like that that Darvin Ham is like. I, I don't know if he's not open to that. I don't, doesn't track. I feel like he's the guy that wants to get help. It, it means winning more. But to your point, if he's not, if you're listening to that, you, he's not like even Genie's going to have to admit, well, you're not a good coach if if you're not willing to be open minded and have us bring in people that we think will help you do your job better. One thing I want to ask you before we go ahead and make sure you get the big plug on what you're up to at Hoopsite. Uh, as far as Hoops Hype is concerned, you do cover a lot of the NBA now. You used to write specifically for the Lakers, but now on SI.com, but now you're writing for the entire NBA. One of your last articles, in fact, on the 10th, was about the Phoenix Suns, who just dismantled the Los Angeles Lakers. They got, they're now going to tell you, and Magic's friends at the 805, I believe the, the Suns podcast, they're now going to tell you they're finally healthy. We finally get to see what our Phoenix Suns are all about. That being said, we did get a taste in, in Lakers land yesterday exactly how good they can be when they're hitting on all cylinders. Do you think this is now going to be a turnaround sign for them? And as far as them moving forward as a, a possible higher tier team without they were thought to be believed? And then also you're just your some of your early perceptions on the NBA as we head to the halfway point of the NBA season. I, I think a lot of the things with this, the Suns comes down to 
like they yeah, obviously they have to stay they have to get those three guys on the court as much as possible because the net rating on that is very high. It's, I think it was 84 yesterday's game. That definitely a lot higher after last night's game. Um, and I, I remember like last week, I think when they played the Clippers on Monday, they got blown out by the Clippers. And then after the after the game, like I was at I was at the game in the press conference. Vogel was talking and um, he was asked about um, he was asked about what do you what do you people ask the media media we asked him like are you are you are you worried about this? Like, you guys literally just got blown out. And he, he said he's not worried. This is part of the process. They just need to play more. Like, and he's I think and he had a practice, I think a day after he said, I've been on a lot of teams that might have been that dick at the Lakers. He's like, I've been on a lot of teams where I felt like we had it in us or we didn't when we were struggling. He's like, but I do feel like this team, we do have it. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a dig at some of his, per, his previous Laker teams that maybe he knew that they didn't have it. Uh, maybe with, like with, with Westbrook and stuff. Um, but honestly, with them, they, they need a ball handler. Like, like in my piece, I talked a lot about their fourth quarter break, like literally meltdowns. Like against Portland, they were up like 18 points at halftime and then they lose the game by like 15 points. Like, how, how is that possible? You're the Phoenix Suns. I don't care if Beal's not playing. You got Booker. You got KD. Figure it out. Like, there's no reason to lose to these lottery teams. Um, a lot of that has to do with focus, I feel like. Maybe they're just thinking, like, oh, we just can't wait to get Beal back, get the whole gang back together. But, I mean, you guys got games to win. The West is pretty tough. So, And I do think, outside of the point guard thing, I do think – I don't think Nurk is the answer. <laughs> Nurkic, he's – I think Shaq said today about something about him being soft. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to further comment on that, but he he is not like what I would call rim protector. They do not have a rim protector. Like, Katie, if Katie's your rim protector, like, that's you're not going to win a title like that. So, yeah, he, they, they I, need I, a, yeah, it's Sam. Like, uh, you could sometimes qualify him as the Bosnian beanie baby out there instead of the Bosnian beast. <laughs> exactly. Excuse me. They, they they need a point. They need a guy that can handle the ball. But they need someone in the fourth quarter. They on, honestly, I don't know why they got rid of Cameron Bain. Probably could help them a little bit. Um, I know Tyus Jones is probably on the trade market. So that's I don't know what they don't have anything left to trade. So probably can't get him. But he would be a nice addition to them. Um, and the, in terms of a center, like that's what you, you guys went all in. You traded Aiden basically for Nurkic. So that's what you have. So. I, I, honestly, I don't think they'll get too far in the playoffs, but we'll see. And in terms of the rest of the NBA, I, right now it feels like the team to beat really is just Boston, even though they got crapped all around by the Bucks yesterday. But it's just it's just one game, you know. Everyone has these kind of one one gamers. Well, let me ask you this on another NBA related question. And once again, we have Sam Yip from Hoops Hype. Truly appreciate the, all the time he's taken for us. What about some of the other teams in the Western Conference? Do you buy in and think it's real right now for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder? I'd buy the Thunder more than the than the Wolves just because Wolves are kind of that team where you've seen enough of, but you're not sure they're over the hump. It's kind of like early early 2000s when Dirk was with the Mavs. Like, no one bought them until they won the championship, right? So Timberwolves are kind of in that boat where, okay, we can see that the Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert lineups work. Like defensively, they're really, really good. But we haven't seen it in the playoffs yet, so we need to kind of wait. Last year, going up into the playoffs, I remember Jaden McDaniels literally broke his hand getting frustrated about some meaningless like end of the end of the regular season game. So we haven't seen it yet. But the Thunder, they they just seem like 
they're like a they're a young team, but the way they play, it seems like they're all like all veterans. Like the way Shea talks, he's not he doesn't get too high, too low or about game winners or anything like that. Um like they like before Chet Holmgren, like they were just miss really missing that kind of that rim protector, that kind of five that can kind of stretch the floor. And now they have him. And like look look at look at how good they are now. We haven't seen anything again, like because of the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got to the conference finals this, this season. Magic Man, any NBA questions for Sam Yip from Hoops Hype? I have a very distinct, specific question for you about about the draft from this previous year. The Portland Trail Blazers just suffered their second 60-point-plus loss in franchise history. This is a bad team, Sam. And... I'm wondering if you think that maybe scouts got a little over their skis with what they saw out of Scoot Henderson because uh, when I watch him play, I see I see a very average athlete. To be fair, uh, you know he's he's got a very very soft touch at the rim when, when he when he's able to create angles or space for himself, and I'm sure his shooting will improve a little bit. But do, do you think that uh, Scoot Henderson at this point might be considered, you know, not not the the same caliber that we thought of when him and Wemby were being discussed as, you know, possible, you know, number one picks? I I think you we really have to give these guys more time because because it's only he was it's only thirty games into thirty something games right now into the season and he missed mm-hmm. a good chunk of it with the injury. Um, I remember Chauncey Billups talking in pregame. He was just saying that we just need to kind of be patient with Scoot. Like, I think when they brought him back, they brought him off the bank. They're really kind of like babying him. They're not kind of throwing everything at him at once. So I wouldn't say, obviously, that whole Wemby and Scoot thing was totally media-driven. Like, that was very stupid. Right. Like, we, that was if stupid you know basketball, hero. you knew that was, yeah. Like, come on, what you really comparing this to, like, a generational talent? Um, but I do feel like you just give Scoot time. I mean... I feel like Scoot is like the worst case for him, which would be like pretty bad to go for number two. Would be like a six man role, right. but I do see him as like a like a starting caliber point guard. Like he has the skill set to be good defensively, mm-hmm. and um, I think he already has like good instincts in terms of defense. Like yep. in terms of where to kind of like jump passing lanes and stuff. Agreed. Well, let me let um, me add let me add this if I may. My apologies. Let me add this. We see the development this year for a team that is surprising in the Eastern Conference in Orlando and Jalen Suggs, who I was super high on coming out of college, who injuries and just did not put it together. Could you see a similar scenario for Scoot Henderson two, three seasons down the line? Hmm. They're different players, but I could definitely see him. It might take Scoot a little bit more time. Like, He's a very coachable guy. He doesn't have an ego or anything, not yet at least. You know how these NBA guys. Um, but he definitely, he definitely, um, I could see him being like taking that leap. Hopefully, not doesn't take him into his third year, but maybe, maybe it, we'll see something at the end of the second half of this season and going into next season. Okay, fair enough. And then uh, last but not least, as far as the Eastern Conference, want to go ahead and touch on that because. Obviously, just Denver's just cruising right now. We see the highs of Oklahoma City and and Minnesota in the West. And then, of course, you talk about all the other teams as far as Dallas, what is uh, Phoenix going to do, et cetera, et cetera. But in the East, 
it seems like it's been a runaway within a select amount of teams. You could go ahead and throw Philadelphia in there, possibly with, uh, of course, Boston and Milwaukee. At this point, do you see anyone else challenging them, or is it just between those three right now? Or do you think it's just Boston's to have at this point? I think regardless of the Miami Heat's roster, you still got to throw them in there just because no one saw last year coming, right? So we can't discount them. Um, other teams in the East, you said, right? Orlando yeah, is there anybody? playing really well. In terms of to challenge them, not a chance. Like, I don't even think – I don't even think the Sixers are in the same category with – the Celtics by themselves should be – they're in their own little little thing. And then the Bucks, and I think Bucks and the Sixers are, I feel like, are kind of in the same box. Um, but honestly, the Celtics, they're, they're, I, I can't even think of a, like a, like they're one of their weaknesses at, like at this moment because they literally have one to five. They can, they can really, one to six, really, because they have Horford coming off the bench. And now, if, if the thing with them is if, Perz, if Porzingis gets hurt, because he has a, he has histories and injury history. If he gets hurt, then there might be an opening for another team to jump in. Maybe the Heat again, uh, maybe the Bucks. Uh, but the Bucks, honestly, the Bucks got worse when they traded Drew Holiday away. I think that that whole Dame Lillard thing kind of they did it really to appease Giannis. But when you look at the whole team and how they they needed Drew kind of on that front end defensively because they're really asking Malik Beasley cannot be your on ball defender or really like that's why he couldn't play with the Lakers last year. So. I'll tell you what, though, you've been sensational on today's show. We truly appreciate your insight. Magic Man, any last questions before it's the magic pitch time from Sam Yip from Hoopside? Yeah, Sam, um, at at this point in time, you know, there are a handful of teams that uh, we know are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, Probably the, the name that's the most hot to trot for any contender would likely be Alex Caruso. Do you see the Chicago Bulls finally pull, pulling the, pulling the the parachute on the Caruso experiment because he's a great defender and a very good team defender? It's just for some reason. Well, we know why. It's a it, it's the poor construction of the Bulls. But do you finally see them relenting on on calls and finally saying, okay, yep, yeah, we'll accept this deal. And we'll trade Alex Caruso because it, I, I feel that if a team like Philly or OKC or my goodness, if if somehow Den- Denver has a couple extra first round picks, um, if somebody like that acquired Caruso, I think it could be a I think it could definitely vault uh, a contender into that same category as potentially the Boston Celtics because you'd if you're bringing in Caruso you're already acknowledging that you think your your perimeter defense is either pretty good or needs improvement so uh, what are your thoughts on Caruso I think that's one of the guys that they really don't want to trade I, I honestly at this point I don't think they they would even trade him for like a one first rounder Maybe yeah. we're talking two for Kranos, they might even consider like that's probably the going rate right now with them. Like, I know for for not for a fact, but based on because I, I I work with the rumors page on Hoopsype, so things based on what I read. But one, they definitely want to get let go of Levine, um, and then probably Nikola Vujovic, and then probably Damar, even before Caruso. 
So Caruso, I can see them wanting to keep in terms of kind of going on with the Kobe Kobe White movement in terms of the next next kind of like a realignment of their team. Right. But I really don't see him going anywhere, honestly, just based on how much they love the guy. Okay. I'll tell you what, we love him here too and uh, still comment on it every week how much we miss him here. Uh, also, uh, Ivica Zubats, uh, we miss quite a few of the mistakes the Lakers have oh, made. Sam, in recent years. Sam before, uh, before you head on, we have a great question from uh, one of our uh, great uh, mods, uh, Kurt Affair. Sam, where do you see Pascal going? The relationship with Toronto seems to have soured. Great question, Kurt. Huh. I can see him going either to the Warriors, the Mavs. Wait, well, yeah, I guess they got a new new ownership. I'm trying to think of teams that he's willing to stay because the Kings are off the because he wasn't willing to do the King. And possibly maybe the Hawks. Well, well, I don't know. They're they're trying to rebuild, so I'm trying to think of Orlando maybe, or if OKC what OKC can have him really because they have so many picks. I don't. They're not going to do it. He he. Only a team that knows he's willing to resign resign are going to is going to do it. So that's probably going to have to be the Warriors. Like a Kaminga Moody might be a lot for them. Kaminga Moody and a pick for Siakam might might do it. But going to stay probably going to stay probably have to make a move way more than the Lakers do. So. I could see him. I would say Golden State really, if if I really if I had a gun to my head. Yeah, I mean that that that's that's the team that's been really. Uh, I I I have a couple friends who are Raptors season ticket holders, and they say they see a lot of Warrior scouts at uh, Raptors games in the past six weeks. So I I, I think you're right, Sam. It, it it sounds like the Warriors really are kind of circling in on Siakam. Yeah, you're right. Well, I'll tell you what, though. It's been great having you here. It is Sam Yip from Hoops Hype. Truly appreciate you stopping by. You know, hopefully, if you are able to, we'd love to have you come back on at any point in time, whenever it is you're available, to go ahead and talk to us. We're trying to do shows as many days of the week. In fact, we're doing shows seven days a week right now, so we always have time for you it all depends on if you have time for us and we hope down the line that you do once again for us but before we head on out it is the cheap plug time so go ahead and let everyone know what you're up to and everybody out there in the audience whether you're watching or listening please check out his great articles today on hoop site but let us know about everything that you're up to right now for for you out there whether it's hoop hype or anything else my friend yeah, so Hoopsweb, I mainly do a lot of Q and A's, like interviews with play, mostly players, sometimes coaches, execs. Um, I think I did one with Nikola Jovic uh, last week. I have a couple, couple other ones coming up soon with some players. Um, and I also kind of, I'm on the rumors team. So if you if you guys are familiar with Hoopsweb, rumors page is pretty much the reason why people go on Hoopsweb. Um, so I'm pretty much kind of at a job. I kind of have to know what's going on in terms of every single team. So that keeps me really busy. Um, and that's usually what I do. And sometimes I do like analytical articles like the ones you mentioned, uh, Jared, about the Suns. Um, I had one about the Clippers a couple of weeks ago and I'm probably gonna continue to do that kind of stuff. So those three things are the things I mainly focus on with the hoop, with Hoopsite. And also 
but since this is plug, the plug time, actually, um, I have a book coming out in April of this month. It's not related to basketball, but there is a David Stern chapter in it. But the book is about um, the U.S. women's national soccer team and basically their fight for equal pay. So basically, I teamed up with he was the head counsel for the Players Association for the U.S. women's soccer team during the whole they started the whole equal pay thing. So me and him teamed up. I helped him write this book out. It's coming out in April. So the next couple of months, we're going to do a lot of marketing on that. Um, there, there is some basketball tie to it where we have, there's a chapter about David Stern and um, Joe Lacobs has a, I mean, they're not talking, but it's, it's through my co-authors um, experiences with these guys. And then there's a, there's a bit on uh, what the chapter had David Stern and uh, Gary Reinsdorf had a little bit too on, on that chapter. A singular chapter but it's it's a very it's a book based on it i think i think the book it's going to be mostly bought by like women's like american moms and whatnot but i feel like it's still a very compelling story that because this is the first time that anyone's really disclosed of what actually happened behind the whole equal pay thing because the whole book is basically about how they didn't get equal pay so the, the co-author is basically saying he's going against the whole media narrative of they got equal pay. Apparently he's saying that they didn't get equal pay. So I'm sure you guys will start seeing it in media outlets and stuff coming in the coming months. So that's what definitely. I got going on. Well, definitely looking forward to it. And then I know you're going to have to go what we call when I do the interviews for my pop culture show, they call the car wash. When you do the car wash, please go ahead and come by and stop by as a spot of the car wash to plug the book and also talk about everything going on in the NBA. We'd love to have you back on that for that. If that's all possible, please come on back. We're always here for you. So if you get a chance, uh, please do so. But first and foremost, we wish you continued success with Hoops Hype and also your book upcoming as well. And yeah, let us know when you can come back on because we'll definitely help you plug the book. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just uh, you have my contact info. Just let me know. You got it. Absolutely, Sam. Truly appreciate it. Magic Man, any last thoughts before we head on out? Thank you very much, Sam. It was excellent having you on the program. Great show. Thank you so much for stopping by. Hope to have you again. All right. Thank you, guys. I'm sure we'll, right. you'll, you guys will see me around. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Looking forward to it. Again, it is Sam. Yeah, please check out all of his great articles he's doing on a regular basis at Hoops Hype. I've dropped it not only several times in the chat. It's in the description below. Whether you're watching or you're listening, it's right there for you. The link, just click on it, and you get to see all the great articles that he's been doing today on Hoops Hype. And when he comes back on, we'll make sure we get you a link to his latest book, on the U.S. women's soccer team and their fight for equal pay as well. Was there a title for it? Is there a title yet that yeah, they come uh, up called, with? Yeah, uh, it's, the title is All Things Being Equal, and it's a we, uh, and then it's also like a subheading. It's uh, All Things Being Equal, the Genesis, Cost, and Aftermath of the USW National, USWNT's Equal Pay Battle. I could just see me walk it into a Barnes and Noble. You said you're looking for a book, sir. Yeah, let me just go ahead and I'll I, I, hold on. I just need to, I need so, to get you the whole title here. It's twenty words. You, so hold so on. What's <laughs> easy is my name, right? Sam Yip. So yes. if you search down Amazon, the book will pop up. So absolutely. That's, that's do you, great thing do you have an author's page? Now. Will you have an author's page on on on? It's Amazon? already it's already up, but I'm sure it's going to get updated 
pretty easy. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because that's the easiest way to find it. Yeah, Sam Yip, and it'll come right up for you. So absolutely looking forward to that. <laughs> and once again, it is Sam Yip from Hoops Hype. Looking forward to having him come back again to talk Lakers, the NBA, and also possibly even the U.S. women's team. Definitely absolutely looking forward to that. Magic Man, always great to have you here. And the best Lakers chat room that's out there is the Lakers Fast Break. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be back, hopefully not for more pain, hopefully for a great win on the road as the Lakers head into Utah against, again, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Already did it with the Clippers. Now they're going to have to do it on the road in Utah. Can they win? Find out. We'll do the pregame. Obviously the best postgame in town. And also as well the simulcast that we've been doing off of Playback. Playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. So for Sam Yip and Magic Man Sean Grice, it's me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Please like and subscribe to get the latest notifications on when we go live with another great episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.